a company where you felt like just another number? I mean, come on, that's kind of how today's world is these days, right? Like we're just running on the hamster wheel of corporate America day in and day out. And your boss or your manager, or your, your leader may not even know your name, but they might see you in the hallway. They might pass you an email, but they really don't even know you. Well, I have got a treat for you today. I am speaking to Brian Kramer, who is known as the Zen master to digital marketers. According to Forbes, that is. He is also the proud father of human to human, H2H. In a, and it is more than what you think. It's not just a book. It's a way of living. He is also an executive trainer, coach, investor, virtual and in-person global keynote speaker, best-selling author, contributor to Forbes, CEO of two companies, and a TED Talker. So welcome to the Power of Investing in People podcast. I am your host, Shay Sparks, the Chief Excitement Officer of Sparks of Fire International, where we take leaders in transition, go from fear to fired up about their life and business. So Brian, welcome to the show. I am so excited to have you here today. Ooh, I'm fired up after <laughs> all that. Thank you. Well, and it's so funny. We were talking before we started recording and I've just been, you know, a little bit of a fan or a stalker, however you want to call it for the past, you know, probably, gosh, probably 15 years now, all the way back to Google Plus. Oh my God. Google Plus had the circles. Right. right. Yeah. I think that, that I think just, had circles. Yes. That just like, I remember like putting people into different circles and having like different ways that you could share. And I thought that was the neatest thing that you could do that. That was such a good memory of um, all those different platforms and, and uh, where they were heading at that time. Oh yeah. And I miss, I, I have so many friends from Google plus days that I miss, I miss that. It was such a great way of connecting on there. Totally. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. yeah. Well, they got it right in investing in people. And that's what we talk about here on this show. So tell me what does investing in people mean to you? Um, so many things it, uh, you know, there's, there's investing in, in people and, and, you know, speaking of circles, um, different, different circles of our life, you yeah. know, we have the, we have ourself, the circle of, of self, the circle of our family, the circle then of our friendships, the circle then of our work, and I'm going from the inside out, and then the uh, circle of life, um, mm. which is everything uh, surrounding all of that, um, the, the galaxy, if you will. And, um, and I think that, you know, uh, it all starts with circle of self, which is where trust starts. And, uh, we lose, we lose so much, um, of that as we get older and we start to get more connected in with, you know, our, um, our, our lives our busy lives. And, um, you know, if anything, the pandemic taught us that we needed to get back into, uh, the circle of self. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so I think that that is, um, you know, where you, where you invest is where, where you get the most out of your life, where you get the most out of what your impact is. And, and, mm -hmm. um, and we all want 
to create impact. That's the one thing that I think every, every person has in common. What, how big or how small it is, is probably different, but the impact that we have on one or more people is, um, is something we all have that's consistent in, in all of us. So uh, impact is is the key to, um, and figuring out what impact you want to leave behind is the key to investing in others. Mm, I love, love, love that answer. You're right. It is the key. It's the key to figure out what you want to, how you want to impact. I heard someone say, and I wish I could remember who it was to give them credit, but it was something to the effect of, if you want a small impact, you work uh, one to one. And if you want a larger impact, one to many, because in that many will go out and make a larger impact, kind of the ripple of like the butterfly effect. I like that. Yeah. I like that a lot. Yeah. And that's what you're doing. You're, you went from one to one and now you're doing one to many. Is that, is that correct? Um, I still, so when, like for me, uh, when I, it depends on the thing, right? Like mm-hmm. the, so when I'm coaching, it's one-to-one and when I'm speaking, it's one-to-many. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, it, it just depends on the, the forum, I suppose. And, um, I prefer one-to-one when, when I'm trying to create an impact with it. like, mm-hmm. you can see, uh, although I love speaking, but, uh, wh- but you can see the, the change in someone over time. And that, that to me is like, um, and yourself too, uh, you know, as you're like, I walk away from coaching. I'm more, I feel like I'm more jazzed up than they are. Like I got more out of it than they did. Um, and, yeah. and you know, you're just supporting and giving of yourself to another. And I think that's like that, that to me is, is just, you know, it's serving others ahead of yourself. I totally agree. That's how I feel when I coach someone too. And that's how I feel when I'm on stage as well. Like, like a high that I you don't get anywhere else. So what came first, the chicken or the egg? Were you on stage first and started coaching or were you coaching and then started speaking? Um, well, so officially I wasn't coaching until six years ago. Uh, so uh, speaking came first before, before coaching because I had a marketing agency at that time for, I think it was like 20 or 22 years. And, uh, and so, uh, and I was speaking at that time for maybe around somewhere between seven and 10 years. And so that was a long time that that speaking came and it was mostly about marketing and leadership, uh, and then all things, um, uh, yeah, marketing leadership and sales. And so that, that's where that took me. And then, um, and then when I, uh, exited, uh, now it's been six years. I, I found coaching to be actually even more, um, I don't know, uh, fulfilling than anything else I've ever done. So, uh, that came second though, to answer your question. Yeah. And there, it's, it seems like there's a, an, a progression. One always comes before the other, but sometimes it's every path is different. Everybody's different. Sometimes they, they coach first and then they do speaking. I've kind of did both around the same time for me, did the coaching and the speaking and it just kind of, and the book, it just kind of all just went at the same time altogether. So I love that you have, you know, you set out one way and you've added other options because in the process, you've also added a book as well, right? Isn't that where the H2H came from? Yeah, that actually came well uh, as a byproduct of, so the speaking, that was a byproduct of speaking. And then, uh, and, and, um, 
the HCH was a surprise baby. It it was, I was actually working on Chairology, my second book mm. at the time. And I had been writing about human to human. We've been talking about it for, I don't know, over 10 years at the agency and using it with our clients and in, in our basis for how we thought around um, creating campaigns. And, 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 HH really came up at a at a um a bunch of different in a bunch of different ways, but one of the biggest ways was at a conference at, when I was speaking in front of a whole bunch of executives uh, at Bloomberg in San Francisco, um, and this would have been about six to seven years ago. And I um, uh, I had it up on the screen behind me in the middle of the presentation, and the MC saw it, and he said, um, "Wait, go back a screen." In the middle of my keynote, I was like. Oh, I've never wow. And, uh, and <laughs> Talk I did. Talk about a heckler. And, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then and, and people just started lifting their phones and sharing it out to uh, social media. It got over 24 million um, impressions in 20, wow. the next 24 hours. And I got a mass amount of inquiries about like, you know, the, the topic. And, um, and so we took everything that I'd written, my wife, Courtney and I, who we own the agency as well together. Mm -hmm. And I'd written about it for previous two years and blogged almost every week about it. And so I already had everything written. I just didn't have it compiled in a book. And I put shareology on the side and uh, on the back shelf, so to speak. And then, um, and then we wrote HTH in the next uh, four days and self-published it and got it out to answer the, the stuff that people were, um, asking and sure um and thank god i had her help or i wouldn't have been able to do that so we got that out and it became a bestseller and that sent me even more on the road into speaking and then eventually the ted talk and that kind of stuff so that was about uh six years before you know coaching was even like a a thing um yeah so i just started traveling i was traveling like 200 days a year and and i and and running the agency from the road and then i had massive burnout um hit, hit a massive level of burnout from all of that. And, and so that's a whole nother story. Yeah. Well, let's talk about that. So tell me about the burn. There's so many things I want to dive into, but you just said it. So I want to dive into it before we forget. Let's talk about the burnout. Like what was it? When did you realize you were burnout? 200 plus days on the road. That's a lot. Yeah. Too much, too much. Uh, Yeah. I, I really, I said yes to too many things and violated my own rule of boundaries, keeping boundaries. I had two young kids, younger kids at the time. Um, and, um, and I was missing everything at home and, uh, you know, it was really hard running the, the agency. And, and it was just like, it was very lonely too. Cause, um, you know, you're going through x-ray machines and lines at airports and hotel rooms and you're just traveling alone. I mean, you go to really nice places and you travel well, but it's not, yeah not it's not as glamorous as everyone's you know thinks it is and so i um you know uh got to a point where one day i was home and i was 85 pounds heavier than i am now i had uh uh i was uh my doctor said i was morbidly obese medically mm. and um and i was and i that's cuz i ate my way through every country because the food was so darn good right um, and so um you know my son grabbed my hand he was 11 and he pulled me up to the to his room and said i want to mm. talk to you and sat me down on his bed and uh mm. and he said dad you're you're um 
uh, you have, I just got diagnosed with diabetes because uh, mm-hmm. of my weight. I had it in the family too. Um, and so I got, he said, you're, you have diabetes and you're never here. You're never going to our school functions. And, um, and he said, I don't think you're going to live to uh, meet mm-hmm. your grandchildren at this rate. Oh. And he was just like really hitting me in the heart. Um, sure. And I just was just, you know, that, that was the moment when I, I realized I'd hit went rock bottom like my whole life was around my family and I'd let go the thing that mattered the most and Mm. so unfortunately I was on a plane the next day going to another keynote and I was in tears on the plane Mm. uh, and got through the keynote came home and then I told my wife I'm I'm I can't I can do uh, we're fine but I can't do it I don't want to I want to exit everything else um and I did and we took us six months we exited the agency uh, I exited speaking for a, for a while, um, and I stopped writing for a while. I took time off. I lost 85 pounds, and I lost diabetes, and I got my life back. I never stopped. I, I started taking my kids to school and picking them up mm. almost every day, and um, and I got my my life back into the best life that I could ever have. And mm. so um, now I now I just love what I what I live every day. Wow. Well, that story brought tears to my eyes too. I can only imagine how he, he was impacting you by tugging mm-hmm. at your heartstrings, like saying, dad, I want you, I still want you here. Totally. Wow. Yeah. Well, and congratulations for being able to recognize that and being able to make a huge change, a life altering change, which I know is never easy. But, you know, a lot of my audience, they're transitioning maybe from employee to employee into entrepreneur or from civilian or from military life back to civilian life. And those decisions aren't easy. Yeah. So was there a process that you said, you know, I really got to do the pros and cons list, write it all out. Or were you like, no, my heart, my gut is saying now is the time I have to do this. Uh, when I first got into being an entrepreneur or at that time when I burned out, which, when you burned out, um, no, that was just like this. I hit it. I hit the wall. I was yeah. done. Um, there was no thinking about it. It was just, uh, it was almost Im- immediate. And, um, and I was tired. I was at my lowest level of tired and I couldn't keep up. And I just, I, I had become my own worst, um, nightmare and I just couldn't do it anymore. And so, uh, there, I didn't have to think about it. It was just a, a laborious process to, um, to just, you know, it, what, what is it that Tony Robbins says? It takes, uh, you know, hundreds of hours to, to decide whether you want to do something in a split second to actually do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and so that's kind of what happened to me. I mean, it took probably leading up to that moment, uh, a lot of stuff, that piled on that got me there. But within that one second, well, it looked like it was a second. It really wasn't. It was everything that piled on before that to get me to it. Um, and then I, I was having, you know, an immediate reaction to and proaction to the fact that I needed to make a change. And and this was my U-turn in life. Yeah. You know, it reminds me of when I, was doing, went through the same thing. So I had a salon. I used to live in Kansas city and had a salon and was working, you know, long days, but then I started the coaching and the podcasting and the speaking and the books and everything. And so I would do that before I went into the salon and I would come home and do more. Mm. And I got to the point where, you know, then at certain times, this was after I had helped my mom. Um, she passed away and then I'd helped my dad and he passed away. 
And so I was really focused on these years, like really grinding hard. And I had done this early in my career. I was working 40 hours a week in a salon as a receptionist while I went to school 40 hours a week. So I wasn't, I'm used to being a workaholic. So I was like, oh, it's no big deal. I can do it. And then COVID happened, right? And everything was like completely gone. And I was like, oh, this is crazy. So now I'm just two months, which of course they kept saying two weeks, two weeks, two weeks, right? But it was so crazy to now be in this state where I was like, okay, now what do I do with my time? I don't know how to just quote unquote be. I'm so used to doing. And then I hit the ground running when we got the okay to open back up again. And my brother passed away Mm. from from COVID on Memorial Day of 2020. And then everything that happened with just life, because people change during that, right? The conversations change, the worries, the scares, the the fears, everything changed. And I was like, I can't, I can't do this anymore. Mm. And um, so I took a month off uh, a year later, took a month off and drove to Florida where my other brother lives, my, my oldest brother. And uh, he had been asking me to move to Florida for 28 years. And, um, so finally, as soon as I walked in the door, it was that split second. As soon as I walked in the door, I was like, yeah, I don't want to leave. I get it. I get it. Like, yeah, I need to, I need to take time to exit out slowly, but I I have to go like, this Mm -hmm. is it. It was so like gut, everything, every sense you could possibly imagine was like on like, yes, it's time to go time to move on. And I joke, cause I'm like, you know, I did this for 20 nine years, I was a hairstylist and I'm only 25. I don't know how math works, but you know, it's like that whole process. You're just go, 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 Mm -hmm. go. And then at some point you hit this, like you said, this wall, you have to make another decision to where, what is more meaningful. And I love that you said that your family has always been that, that purpose. Mm-hmm. right? Which is, I think for most of us, our family is our purpose. Mm-hmm. And yet we lose sight of that when we're just so focused on the business or we're focused yeah. on our, our job. Cause sometimes people work 40, 60 hours just for their job too. Yeah. 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 So I love that you really focused in on that and, and realized it when you did. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that for so first and foremost, it's a such a great, beautiful story about um, you know how we we build these things up, and then um, like you said, it, in a split second you knew, and um, and and I think anybody that's listening, um, you know, every, we all have that one moment where you go, okay, it's this is it, mm-hmm. and uh, and if it hasn't happened, it will. Yeah. Um, and when it does, follow it because that's the moment when you know it's going to work because you you are ready. Uh, that's <laughs> the moment when you know that you're going to follow through on whatever it is that you're going to do because your your heart is in it and you will not fail at that thing because you are that's you're grounded. You are you know that this is what's true to you, and uh, and and there's no failure in that. You're going to either learn or you're going to succeed. Uh, and either way you succeed. So, uh, so that's going to be the best way to go. And I think that, um, you know, the, the other thing about what I loved about what you said is how, um, 
how you 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 drove to Florida and uh, and to, and and took the the time that you needed to actually breathe and see mm-hmm. what you wanted to see that that we don't take enough time to to put our bring our head above water to just get that perspective and when we don't have perspective then we have blind spots right and our blind spots is what's holding us back from having more of what it is that we truly know and desire uh, in our life. And so to get perspective on that blind spot, hire shave as your coach or, <laughs> uh, or create more, um, more time where you can go out in the forest or to the ocean or to Florida or wherever that place is for you. So you can see what that, that thing is. And when you do, I mean, you, you will not fail. You'll, you will succeed. Mm. Well, thank you for that. I realize I love that you mentioned blind spot. I realized that the blind spot in my business was also the blind spot in relationships. And so that's really what I focus on now in coaching is helping people see the blind spots in the relationships and see it in their career and business as well. So thank you. Thank you for pointing that out. I appreciate that. So take us back to Brian. He's getting out of high school. He's deciding what to do next. Did you go to college? Did you start your business right away? Like how what was your, what was your path and, and what helped you, inspired you to make that decision? I, um, I went to school for something that I'm actually, I actually did a lot of my career, which was marketing communications. Although I have a de- I had a degree in PR or have a degree in PR um, with a minor in Japanese, neither of which did I use at all. Um, but the communications part, I guess I did. Um, and uh, Japanese, I really just saw a sign that said Japanese this way, at, and and I I signed up. So there, there's no real story there, and nor did <laughs> I ever get to Japan, and I'm still wanting to go. Ah. So that'll that's on my bucket list, and I'll make that happen uh, one day soon. Um, one of the one of the biggest things that really got me going was um, actually, uh, and I think school school really provides this, which is the just the thinking time to grow up and uh, and become an adult. And also at the time, this is shows my age, but it's when the internet was only just barely like just getting started and people were creating like just single page websites. And, um, and it was like the newest innovative thing was like GPT, uh, chat GPT at the time, you know, that's how big it was. Right. And, um, and I had, uh, I had a jazz test that I, that I got an F on and I was a good student, uh, Mm. A's and B's. And so I was like, How's that possible? So I walked in and and I uh, asked the teacher and he said, "Your the the reference at the bottom is a dead link. If you can show me where you got your where you you're going to reference your your stuff, I'll I'll reverse your grade." And I went back to my dorm room and I realized that he was right. That overnight the the website I had used is is was gone, yeah. and he just wanted an accurate reference. And so, um, the the internet was so new there wasn't like a lot to reference or use. And so I went to the bookstore on campus and I bought HTML books. And I went back to my dorm room and I programmed my own and rewrote my own uh, page. And and then I came back, I spent all night working on it. And I I came back, shared the link with him and he said, great, reverse my grade. And I'm like, wait a second, I can do this. Uh, So Uh I was starting to talk to people and, and they're like, you know, I'll pay you if you do one for me. And it wow. kind of turned into a business that that like escalated into a web business. And I started to learn a lot about it that that way. Um, 
uh, about digital. And uh, by the time I had graduated, digital was such a becoming a big thing in, at traditional agencies that still hadn't converted yet. Right. And so they were hiring me and I went to about three different agencies to build their their digital uh, arm and teach them how to be digital and create um, create that. So that was that was most of my career was spent building that until I got to build a, a digital an actual digital agency under somebody else's PL. They sold the company where three people and grew to 80 and became one of the largest interactive companies. And then when they sold, I didn't really see the fruits of that labor because I didn't get to own the company, but I learned right. a lot. Yeah. And so once I took that into the agency that Courtney and I started, that's where we got to really, you know, see a lot more of our own entrepreneurialism come out. But I learned a lot before that on everyone else's dime before I ever got to that point. Mm. I love that because I think a lot of times when people start a business, they think, oh, why didn't I do this sooner? And I completely and wholeheartedly believe that the teacher is ready when the student appears and the student is ready when the teacher appears. So you've learned all of these tools and skills that you needed to have for your business. So it was the exact time that it was supposed to happen. Totally. Yeah. Isn't that, isn't that right? Every time, like everything happens when it's ready. Yes. Uh, yeah. yeah. So yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, that was one, a launch, a launching off point that I was one of those, you know, again, like you said, one of those mo moments where you go, okay, am I ready for this? Am I really like, I was only 20, no. Yeah. 25, 26, wow. uh, 27, maybe. I don't know. Somewhere in there. And, and I had gotten married, had a child and started a business all within two years. So that was either the, That's the a lot. dumbest thing I've ever done or this <laughs> turned out to be the, an okay thing. But um, uh, we, you know, we stayed married now, you know, 20, 23 years later. So it worked out, thank yeah. God. But, um, but yeah, you just kind of know you're, you're, you're in that moment. You go, you know, this is it. I'm going to make a stand. If you make the stand, make the stand, like, you know, Gandalf, like walking up to the top of the mountain <laughs> and putting his staff in the mountain and going, mm -hmm. follow me. Like you have to do that and yes. be that with your, with the staff in the ground and say, let's do this. Otherwise you're not ready yet. And, and, and you shouldn't, you shouldn't jump off yet. Mm -hmm. I love that. You're, if you're not ready to take a stand, then you're not ready. Yeah. I love that. I love that. So is there advice besides that advice that you would give someone that's looking at maybe starting their own business? Maybe they're in the military or maybe they're an employee and they're like, there's got to be something else out there. Is there any advice that you would, would give them? Yeah. You know what I did a lot of was informational interviews. Um, I set up interviews with a lot of different people that had done the same thing that I wanted to do. And I sat and I just talked with them and asked them. And most people are more than willing to to tell you their their um, you know strength, uh, their their experience, strength, and hope. And when you can when you can really dive into uh, you know what they went through and how they did it and what was their thing, you'll start to see a pattern. And 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 through that and through those questions and that time with I think with people, it really will help to craft your, your plan. And, um, and you'll get a lot of mentorship out of it. So I think informational interviews set up with people that, you know, you want to do that, uh, same thing with, uh, reach out to them and, 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 uh, you know, interview a good two to, to, to three people and really get dig in with them. Or they could just start a podcast. <laughs> Or, and listen to this podcast. And. Well, yeah, and start a podcast. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, start, start. Start. Well, that, and truthfully, I kind of, 
started that way. I, I wanted to really get the secret sauce of all my friends who are entrepreneurs. Like I knew them well enough that I knew their, their, the, the nitty, the, the muck and the mire that they had to go through in order to get to that next step. And so I really wanted to highlight that because on social media, so many things where here's my Lamborghini, here's my million dollars. And I'm like, yeah, but you don't know what really happened to get them there. And I know so many that were like, oh man, I had, you know, one, my, one of my very good friends became a widow and, mm -hmm. in her forties, like so many things happened to all of my friends who are entrepreneurs. And I'm like, let's talk about that. Mm -hmm. And to know that if you win, not if it's when you overcome that, then it's like you have the strength and the courage mm -hmm. to know that you can continue forward and do something even more uh, bold, like start a business. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. What you said. <laughs> well, just like what you explained to us, what you went through, you went through so much, you were traveling 200 days, 200 plus days out of the year that created all of this tenacity mm. inside of you. And it taught you what you didn't want, which I think right. people don't look at enough. Right. I, I can say that the best managers I had and, and leaders and owners I had with all the uh, jobs and salons that I worked at was that they taught me how not to be. Right. Yeah. 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 It teaches you boundaries. For sure. Uh, and once you have them, don't let them go. Um, you know, the, it's harder to say no than it is to say yes. Yeah. I love that. So now you're working with clients. So are you working again with marketing? Are you doing something different? Or are you focusing on, um, you know, human to human only and, and business interactions? Or are you doing more life strategies as well? I, I uh, thank you for asking. I work with, I work with people who are uh, executives, whether they're CEOs of on, entrepreneur, entrepreneurs themselves or they're directors and above at, uh, at companies that uh, want to grow themselves and the company around them, their team, um, and um, you know we were we were th uh, we built our our own company at thirty employees at a thirty million dollar agency, and there was a lot that we learned in doing that and in building the uh, system structure and process, and um, and now uh, putting in the mix of how to do that, but without burnout and having a high passion mm -hmm. for how to create what more of what you want and and have more time. And that's really where I'm focused is, is to do both of those things so that you can live, you know, more on, on impact and, and what's going to, you know, create more of that impact that you want around you. Mm. I love that because so many people at that level, that high level success rate is isolating and very lonely, and they may not even realize they're in burnout. Mm. Yeah, that you know, it's funny that you say that because um, a lot of times I'll, I say I work with people in pre-burnout because they don't realize they're on their way. Yeah. And, um, and and so you're absolutely right. It's it's um, you know that point to where you're you're just on the cusp. You're like, are you getting enough sleep? Like, are you even getting quality sleep? Um, you know, are you uh, in charge of your time or is your char your time in charge of you? Right. Usually, I can tell by looking at somebody's calendar. Uh, where they're at and where they're heading. And um, and you can see what their boundaries are around just looking at the calendar and seeing that. And then how their team is structured, um, what kind of team 
process and 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 focus do they have you know the the clarity around where everyone's heading together can tell you a lot uh, when you just talk to one or two people and and whether they understand where the where the end goal is and what is it that we're all heading towards so there's so many little leading indicators the the top thing though that you know, goes back to the HGH philosophy, which is um, really, um, you know, the pillars that I write about in in the book, which is simplicity, empathy, and imperfection. Mm. And so when you look at simplicity, uh, we we make, as humans, we make things too complex. Uh, and once we get into complexity, that's where we see um, things start to break down. Um, like a simplest, like who would you say is a simple brand who embraces uh, simplicity in your opinion? Uh, Apple is the only thing I can think of. Totally. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. Apple embraces simplicity very, very, very well. Um, and then you have empathy. Uh, which mm. brand do you believe embraces empathy? Mm. It's a tough one. It's a that tough is one. a tough one. Yeah. Uh, I was thinking of a hospital. Sure. Just because I saw a recent... Um, and I don't watch TV, but I saw an ad of uh, somewhere. I think I was in the urgent care. And I saw one of their ads and I was like, wow, it actually looks like they care. Um, so yeah, it has to be a hospital. Oh yeah. Yeah, 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 absolutely. That's a good one. And I think, uh, you know, when you look at empathy, a lot of times we don't assign customer service uh, to empathy, but you can have, we have plenty of bad customer service uh, um examples in our lives. And so we know that we feel like they are not empathetic when, when we have that. And so like Amazon will return almost every product without mm -hmm. question. It's almost that old, old Nordstrom thing. Yeah. And so, um, so, you know, we think of them uh, as an empathetic brand when, it, when it comes to that, uh, that one thing. And so um, then in the last one, it's imperfection. <laughs> and we gravitate, even though we don't think we do, we gravitate towards people who are not trying to be perfect, that embrace the imperfection, and also brands that are imperfect or embrace it, meaning like they uh, they own it, they own the mistake, mm. um, or they are not trying to be all things to all people. They they have this human quality of imperfection, like you know, draw like whatever, uh, you know, having having a. a a bad experience on an airline and then uh, making yeah. up for it, which happens all the time. Right. But they own it. They own that thing. Then you look at the opposite. You look at like a company like Facebook and sorry if everyone, somebody works for Facebook, but you, now you'll know what to do. It's the complete opposite of simplicity, empathy, and imperfection. Um, it is not a simple brand. It is, uh, they do not own their imperfections. Right. And, uh, and, and, um, uh, they they don't appear to have too much empathy, uh, you know, in in gaining, uh, keeping their customer. It's it's really feels feels to me anyway. Yeah. Like there's there's a profit first, and so um, so you can see how that play that plays against a company. That doesn't mean that they can't do well. That just simply means that we don't gravitate towards the brand as a human driven brand. And um, and to, and the same thing for people: simplicity, empathy, and imperfection. It's what we what we each love about each other is the stories within each of those things. Well, I love that you mentioned the imperfection for two reasons. One, what came to mind when you mentioned that about what brand? Because now I was like, oh, I got an answer for you. Uh, was Zappos? And I'm um, as I'm thinking about that, I'm like, are they even around anymore? Because I haven't bought on there in so long. I always go yeah. to Amazon now. 
Um, but I just watched your talk at the inbound conference on you meet the, you being a Fokker and embracing the imperfection. And, you know, I think that's one thing again, why I wanted to really highlight the people I've highlighted because we all have a story. We've all gone through something and it seems like instead of brushing it away and being vulnerable and transparent and, and like you said, embracing it really allows you to shine in a more authentic and genuine way. So, and that goes for people as well as brands. So I love that you mentioned the imperfection. I, yeah, Zappos, that's a good one. Um, I, I know, uh, yeah, the the imperfection side is is super important. And, and if you're in marketing or sales, uh, divide things up into those categories, divide your social media up into those categories, you know, divide everything that your, your content up into those categories, make sure they really fit um, what makes you more human because the, the, the companies that, um, that I think are more human keep their customers longer. Uh, mm-hmm. And, and uh, the companies that aren't, they don't have loyal raving fans that's the difference between the two. And the same thing as us as individuals, we tend to have longer relationships, deeper relationships. Um, uh, people matter to us that uh, you know we find chemistry with even more so in each of those areas because we start to sh- let down you know, and peel the onion more with others as we're, we embrace our imperfection. And all of a sudden we realize like, hey, we're more alike than we ever thought we would be. I want to get to know you more. The same thing happens with uh, brands and people. So mm-hmm. um, this is what what I think will create more as we go as as AI starts to become mm, more relevant. Sure. We're going to need more of this um, because that's what's going to separate us. You know, being human is now become our competitive advantage. <laughs> right? Like who? I mean, I know that we watched movies on that way back when, but it's like, wow, here we are, literally living it. And I thought that too. Like, yeah, but now we're the fact that we are human and the fact that we do have empathy more than anything else is I think going to be just imperative going forward through this AI movement. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I love how we started the conversation with circles from Google plus, and now we're getting into circles with what is it? Simplicity, empathy, and imperfection. That's right. Yeah. yeah. I love that. I love that. Well, before we go, there's just been an amazing, amazing conversation. And obviously there was a reason why I've been stalking you for 15 years or fan, whichever you want to call it. Um, So tell us how, um, well, first of all, before I tell you, ask you this question, I want to ask this. So now that you're at this space and you've redirected and you're doing, looking for impact and influence and really about, you know, having the one-on-one and the human to human, what do you want to be your legacy? Um, well, so the, the primary legacy is that my kids are just happy. I want my kids to be happy. And if they're happy, then my, my legacy is fulfilled. Happiness to me and my children is number one. Um, number two is that, uh, that people realize their humanity and they're able to live it, live it and lean into it. And, and it goes back to what I was saying before about be, realizing, and this, is, this has been this way, it will be this way, and it's going to be forevermore that being human, and if you take anything away from everything we just talked about, is that being human is everyone's competitive advantage. Lean more into that. And if that, that becomes my legacy, I'm, I'm a happy person. So that's what I would leave. 
Mm, I love that. And you are living that right now. So thank you for being the example. Thank you. Thank yeah. you so much. Yeah. How can people connect with you? Website, social media, all the things. Uh, you know, really easy. At Brian Kramer, uh, Brian with a Y, Kramer with a K, and um, then BrianKramer.com. And if you sign up uh, for my newsletter and hit reply, I reply back, then you reply, and then we have a real conversation. And it, it's neat how that works. So, uh, yeah, that's that. those are the two best ways, at Brian Kramer or BrianKramer.com. Nice. So you really speak that human to human interaction. I, who would I be, right? Like <laughs> exactly. It would suck if I didn't hit reply. But, and how many people don't. So thank you for being, uh, for being that genuine, authentic human. Thank you. Thanks for, yeah. thanks for highlighting this and having me on. I really appreciate it. Well, it's been a pleasure and an honor to have you on. And I always like to leave with this question. What phrase, scripture, or mantra are you using right now? Uh, well, we already said one, so I'll say another. Um, I, I like what one of my uh, previous, I've used this for a, a long time and I believe in it, which is that 90% done is 100% incomplete. And, um, and we, we, we are really, really good at getting things close to done and then not completing them. Uh, I see that more times than anything because we feel like the courage to complete it is the hardest part in that final five or 10%. And so get that, or even 1%, get that, get that complete, complete it and put it out into the world. You are worth it and mm. you will succeed. I promise. Mm, I love that. Um, Seth Godin just said, just ship it. Yeah. Yep. That's yeah. a good one. Yeah. I love that. Well, thank you, Brian, so much for being here. Thank you. Thank you again. I really appreciate it.